you're probably the crazy ones in your life. Yes, we're the crazy dreamers. Brand us nuts because we dream for full potential. We dream for a higher level. There's a lot of groups with a bunch of skeptics, a bunch of critics. They don't make statues of critics. Welcome to the Dean Graziosi Show. All success starts right here. I went over seven different shifts that have been adapted into my life that are consistent. If I do a podcast and people say, what would you tell your 20 year old self? It's always one of these seven, always. When people say to me, Dean, how'd you get successful? There's gotta be that one thing. There's never one thing. Everybody's looking for the magic like button. I wish there was, if there was, we wouldn't even be doing all this shit. I just would send you all the magic button. I would get your address and just mail it to you. It would make my life so much easier and yours too. But I don't know if uh, that button would really, you know, it would give us the juice that we really want out of life. You know, if, if I told you this joke before, I'm sorry, I'm gonna apologize in advance, but I'm gonna tell it to you. There was this obsessive gambler and he gambled his whole life and something happened, got hit by a car and he died. Wakes up and he's in a casino, he's dressed to the nines, has a pocket full of, of chips and he goes over to the, he goes over to the uh, uh, slot machine, he puts coins in and every time he pulls it, he wins. He's like, oh my God, and he wins, and he wins again. Every machine he goes to, he puts money in, he pulls the handle, money comes out. He goes to the next one, goes to the next one. Finally, he's getting tired, and he's lugging around this money, and it's getting later in the night, and he puts the coin, and it's no fun. He pulls the handle, money comes out. And he's like, oh my God, it's nothing but winning. And he walks up to someone he thought worked there, and he said, man, I never thought heaven would be like this. And the guy looked at him and said, who said you're in heaven? Right? Think about that. We all think we want the easy button. Do we really? Have you guys ever read a story of someone who hit lotto and they were magically happy, successful, abundant, gave back, contributed to the earth, worked on their emotional intelligence and quadrupled their money? Anybody read one of those stories? Could you let me know if you do? If you could, send it to me. Just send it to our team. But have you ever read the story of someone hitting lotto and they fight with their family and they drink too much and they go off the deep end and they spend too much and four years later, a half a billion dollars later, where are they? They're buying more lotto tickets because the money's gone, right? Sometimes we're looking for the easy button and what we really need to realize is the opportunity for our next levels in front of us with tiny little shifts. So today, I got with my team and I said, what are the seven shifts I talk about the most that really define me, define my success, and define what I believe in the most. That's what we have today. You guys ready for seven shifts? So number one, shift number one, define what success looks like for you. And I wanna add one more word to the end of that. Define what success looks like to you now. Define what success looks like for you now, okay? Thank you for writing this down, guys. I appreciate it. Um, so think about that. We need, we need ammunition. We need horsepower. We need rocket fuel. 
We need the ability to hit the gas and go. Just think about this. I use silly analogies. When it's time, when things are uncertain, when the world shifts, when COVID happens, when there's race relations at, at a time and point where it needs a shift and it needs to be fixed and the news is nothing but negative and everybody's fighting and polarized and there's, I mean, it's, is there any gray or is it they just show the opposite? There's either people who hate masks or must wear masks. There's either people who are really racist or not racist at all. There's people that are really liberal or really conservative. Oh my God, aren't most of us caring human beings that want the world to evolve and abolish the things that suck and unite and fix this together? Don't we most of us feel like that? But that's not what we see. We see these extremes. And I think how we fix it is we just keep becoming a better version of ourselves. We fix these things in our, fa in our families. We fix these things in our neighborhoods, when our friends, and we don't settle for anything that's not what we agree upon. And when we do that, no one has to come fix this. No one's gonna save us. We're saving their asses if you wanna know the truth. We fix it from the ground up. And that's how we have the opportunity to, to keep evolving and keep growing. I know I digress and I share that stuff, but I just know that a group of people like this, collectively, we can shift the world. And if we believe we can, we will. That's, and if that's naive, then, then I'd rather be naive. But let's get back to this shift. Define what success looks like to you. Now, when the reason I went on that rant is because the world, I believe, throws traps in our way, throws things in our way. I'm going to digress again. I'm sorry. I'm just in a space today. You're my inner circle family. I don't follow a plan. I don't follow slides. I speak from my heart. There was a great um, movie. And before movies were easy to watch, do you remember when you f could first watch a movie on your laptop or your iPad and you downloaded them like on, from uh, iTunes? Anybody remember that? Like when it wasn't so plentiful, I'm talking maybe eight years ago, nine years ago, and I only had like two movies on my iPad. And every time I flew, I watched the same damn two or three movies like obsessively. And there was a, um, a movie with Matt Damon called The Adjustment Bureau, right? Anybody, I don't know if you ever saw The Adjustment Bureau. I love it. You should check it out. It's a, it's a really great movie. I think I know it by heart because I used to fly a lot and I watch it so many times. Long story short, through the whole movie, it's kind of about God, kind of not. They call him the chairman. These people that are the adjustment bureau, they're kind of angels, but not. And they, they, we have the illusion of free will, and if things are going the wrong way, they'll come in and kind of adjust. They're the adjustment bureau. They'll adjust the way the world goes. Long story short, the reason I'm telling you this, and it fits into um, <laughs> what I'm sharing now, is at the end of the, the movie, um, Matt Damon and the girl he fell in love with that were supposed to be torn apart, but they couldn't handle it. They loved each other so much. They were soulmates. And if they were going to stay together, they were going to erase their brains. It was going to be over. And finally, at the end, um, uh, one of the actors is up on a roof of a building in New York City with them. They ran out of room. They couldn't go anyplace else. They thought their lives were over. And they stopped and said, the chairman says you guys can be together because it is true love. We can't keep you away from each other. And the plan has changed. Sometimes plan change. The chairman gives you a blessing. And Matt Damon looks at the actor because the way he's talking, it's very like, he's almost sharing it. And he looks at it and he goes, are you? And basically he's like, are you God? Are you the chairman? And he says, oh no, no. But you've met him. We all have. And that part of the movie has stuck with me for a decade. Right? Whatever your beliefs are, we all have different beliefs. But I love that point of, I'm not him, but you've met him. 
We all have. And I've taught my kids that because it's that same thing of what are you doing when no one's watching, right? You might be super nice when people are around, but when you see a homeless person or you see somebody in trouble and no one's watching, like, oh, that's annoying, that's gross, they stink, or whatever it is. What if that was the day you had the chance to meet your maker? What if that was the day you met him or her, right? And I try to think about that and it keeps me in shape when no one's watching. It keeps me realizing that I wanna be congruent in all things that I do. I wanna be congruent. If my wife picks up my phone and went through 15 minutes of text, I want her to go, my husband's exactly the man I thought he was. I wanna make it so if my mic is on, and this camera goes off and I thought you guys are done and my team says, hey, how'd your day with Inner Circle go? I would love for you guys to hear me go, shit, that was really nice. Not like, oh, these annoying people, they want so much from me, ah, oh, right? Like, I think about that shit. I really, excuse my language, but I think about that all the time. Like, congruency is this magic and I didn't always have congruency. I'm not saying it like I was magic and always perfect and give me a, a blue ribbon for being so great, I wasn't. And even in previous relationships, I wasn't congruent as I needed to be. But I'm at a point where I'm obsessing on it. So the reason I'm sharing that is when you think through that congruency of who you are, who you want to be, if you met your maker, if it, who would you be and what does success look like for you right this moment? Not what success looks like on social media for someone else you follow. That's their life. And I hope the success that they share with you and the happiness they share, I hope it's real. I don't look at people and go, oh, that's BS. They don't really love each other like that. I never do. When I look, I go, I hope it's real. But unfortunately, I know a lot of times it's not. I know my wife and I don't have an Instagram relationship. She's the love of my life. She's my best friend, right? I didn't always have that in my life, but I do now. So the reason I say that is when you know what success looks like for you right now in time, not compared to the perfect Instagram story, not to compare to, to who you thought or what you thought success was a decade ago, not by the belief that your parents may have give you, given you, even though they're amazing and lovely and, and incredible and they gave you life, but their definition of success doesn't mean to be yours. The definition the world calls success doesn't need to be yours. The definition of the people you follow online doesn't need to be yours. What you need to do is define what success means to you right now in this time in history. Because we need these tools, guys. Things go sideways. People let us down. The deal doesn't work. The offer didn't convert. They didn't show up to your event. The book didn't sell. I don't know what it is. But things are going to go sideways. And those that know how to use the tools to get back up brush off the dust, learn from it, and keep moving forward are the ones that succeed. The ones that succeed are the ones that don't give up. And how do you not give up? Have a compelling enough future that something drags you by the back of the shirt, gets you back on your feet, you dust it off, and you go. And when you fail again, you dust off, you get up, and you go. And some of us have to get up 10 different times. And I'm sorry, some of us might have to get up 30 times. Some people might only have two. But what if there's a bigger plan? And by design, someone knows that some of us have to fail 30 times so we appreciate number 31, right? I call it success tax, but what if we have to take this journey? So if things are gonna go sideways, if things are gonna let you down, if you gotta put the work in, then man, I need strength. I need, I need desire to pull me through so nothing stops me. 
That's why I define success really simple for me. Success at my life right now is basically going to my why, but success for me is be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it with my children and my wife. Today at three o'clock, I promise you, I say this all the time if you know anything about me, at three o'clock today, I will be outside my kid's school picking them up. There's nothing that could stop me from being there. Nothing. I pick them up literally 95% of the time I have since they were two years old. My daughter's 14. She's going to be in high school in four months. Anybody have someone who went through high school? I'm petrified. My daughter's been in a tiny little Christian school up with 30 kids in her class and 22 of them are girls. And now she's going, she wants to go. She said, Dad, I don't want to go to Christian school anymore. I love it. I'm going to continue my beliefs and my faith, but I want to go to public school. She's going from that tiny little school to the biggest public school in our area. She'll have like 400 kids in her class. I am dying. That's four months away. Anyway, yes, thanks. Christina, please say prayers for her father. Please say prayers for her first boyfriend, too. So, um, anyway, I digress. But I know what's important to me. It's running out. My daughter's going in high school. My son's going into seventh grade. My little one, thank goodness, I got a lot of time with that one. Um, but I want to do that. That's success to me. I just want to tell you it's the little things that become the big things. So number one, I went way too long on number one. But it was important. Is define what success looks like to you right now in this time in history. And don't let anybody take that away from you. Number two. Except that productivity does not equal income. I kind of just covered that, but it's a true story. One of the biggest revelations in my life that I look back on, and I didn't realize how impactful it was, because you don't know it when you're in it, is I watched my dad work in a collision shop, working on cars, painting cars, fixing fenders, all that stuff, from early in the morning to late at night. He never had anything. I watched my mom cut hair, clean houses, and paint houses, like if someone was moving out, she would do all the touch-up painting, right? My mom worked three jobs to hustle to make 90 bucks a week. Now, I love my dad, he's an awesome guy at this phase of our lives, we get along amazing. He's 85, looks like he's 65. Literally so blessed that I still have my dad in my life. But my dad didn't do the right thing when they first divorced and didn't get my, he didn't make much, but he didn't give my mom anything. So my mom hustled to have nothing. It's one of the reasons I work so hard. If any said to me, why are you so successful? You watch your mom, maybe some of you have been there, watch your mom kill herself for next to nothing. I remember being 14, 12 years old saying, bullshit, I am gonna make money. I don't care what anybody says, I'm not that smart. I don't have a college degree. I will retire my mom. I did it by the time I was 27. I've been sending my mom a check every week of her life since I've been 27 years old. I bought her a new house last year. I buy her a new car every two years and she deserves every goddamn bit of it. And uh, I'm really honored to be able to do that for her. And I retired my dad when I was 32. Um, so I say that, one of the reasons I know why I work, thank you, and I didn't say that for the pat on the back. I said it because that in, watching my parents work hard did one really cool thing. I have an insane work ethic. I'll outwork anyone at this age. I love to work. I, you know what time I started this morning? No exaggeration. 4.05. I sent my first email actually to Tony at 4.05 this morning. That means I was up before that. And I, was, I worked until 6. I went in the gym from 6 till 7. I got my kids up at 7. I made them breakfast from 7 to 8. We took, I took them to school and I came down here to prepare for this today. Now, and I'll work... And when they go to bed tonight, I'll work late. I, I have a tenacious, insane work ethic. I love it. 
but working hard and being productive is two completely different things. So my message for number two is productivity is not the same as effort. Productivity means you're working on the things that actually move the needle in your life. Don't just work on the things you're comfortable with. Don't work on the things that are easy. Don't work on the things that are laydowns. Go after and do the things that make you a little uncomfortable. The marketing, the sales, get out there teaching if you're in KBB. Lay out the course, build it in mastermind. I don't know where you're at, but the uncomfortable action of the things you don't love are the things that actually move the needle. If you love colors and building graphics, don't just resort, go, oh, I was gonna do some selling. You know what, let me go change the graphic. Let me go change my page. Maybe look at prettier. Maybe I should look at other colors. Let me just research. No, that's your subconscious going to what's comfortable. You need to work on the things that move the needle. Productivity is completely different than being busy. Know the difference. My poor parents were busy their whole lives, but they never did the things that moved the needle. And thank God I found a place in my life and my sister became successful as well where we can help our parents because I don't know where they'd be without it, right? So know the difference. Productivity does not equal progress. Let's write that down because that came out pretty cool. Productivity does not equal progress. Decide today what moves the needle and schedule it in your life and start working on it. Number three, small shifts that equal big results. I just want you to know, so many times in life when we, if you're a part of KBB, if you gain new capabilities, if you start a new business, if you're part of Accelerated Success Formula or mastermind.com and we get something new, what we're always thinking is that if, if we start we gotta make a complete transformation. We gotta make a 180 overnight. It's like why New Year's resolutions don't work. It's like we gotta shift everything. Oh my God, everything I've been doing has been absolutely horrible. My life is terrible right now. We gotta shift, change, change, change. And you make so much change that what happens within a week, a month? You're right back where you were because you bit off more than you could chew. What is Kaizen, right? I've shared this with you before. I know I'm being a reminder service. How do you run a thousand mile race? One step at a time, right? Think about the small shifts that you could start today that inevitably build up, right? If you think about, Tony tells the story of a golf swing, right? And he hires an instructor and the golf swing is 100 yards off. Every time he hits the ball, it goes way over here. And the guy said to Tony as, as an instructor, he's like, yeah, you're about a millimeter or two off. That's where two millimeters came from with Tony Robbins. The guy said, you're about a millimeter or two off. So he goes, what do you mean I'm a millimeter off or two millimeters? The ball's a hundred yards away from where I tried to hit it. I was trying to hit it at the hole. It ended up two holes away on the right. I had to yell four. It's not two millimeters or a millimeter. It's a hundred yards. He's like, no, it's not. He goes, you've just been practicing that when you come through and the ball's here, when your club head comes down, it's about a millimeter or two shaped this way because a millimeter or two here on a little bit of an angle, it's only off a millimeter here, but by the time it goes out 300 yards, it's 100 yards to the right. You're only off a millimeter. So we're going to work on the millimeter. And it's that same concept. We feel like we're 100 yards or 100 miles off when sometimes it's these subtle little shifts we just got to identify and work on them every day with just the effort and energy it needs to make those subtle shifts. But don't look like, don't look at it as we gotta be completely different humans tomorrow or the next day or else it's not gonna be the same and the course has gotta be built and I gotta be selling tomorrow. It's like one step at a time. 
How do you eat elephant? One bite at a time. I always say, I hope nobody's eating elephants, but that's Kaizen. And we have to adapt that same concept, right? We have to adapt that millimeter shift because if we can change the millimeter here, by the time we get out a month and a year, we're in a completely different spot. We won't even recognize ourselves. The other thing I want to share, and I'll, I'll go a little deeper on this, is whenever you feel hesitant about doing something, or it's not working, or you feel like your mindset is bringing you back to, to old habits, or you forget, I want you to think about two things that you need to be successful. This isn't one of the seven. This is just something I feel in my heart that I want to share with you, is there's always two answers to one question. And I call it the upstream and the downstream. There's always two answers, right? I had an amazing woman I had the opportunity to chat with. She was part of our KBB family and gonna teach people um, and you know, what she went through, skills in business, way qualified. You met her, she had that it factor. She was just a badass. She was just an amazing woman. She wanted to do it. And she wanted to get her sales page to have a video on it that converted, that got people to raise their hand and took her product. But she never really got her video up because she said, I just can't shoot videos. I'm not that good at it. This is never gonna work for me. Even though she had an amazing product, she had everything she needed. She's like, how do I shoot better videos? I wanna give you this example of upstream and downstream, and this may change the way you look at problems for the rest of your life. Because if you ever, if you and I were ever together, or if you're at one of our live events that we end up doing in the worlds together, and somebody asks me a question on stage, if you, or even in a Zoom like this, if you ever watch me stop for a moment and go like this, you know what I'm thinking? Upstream and downstream, there's two answers. So she gets on and her question is, I could do better if I could get a video that converts, but I suck at video and it's just not working, my page isn't working. And I listened and I could feel there was an upstream issue because the downstream issue, I could teach the tactical strat, the strategy and tactics. I could say, let me break down your video, hon. It's hook story close. You're not talking to a huge audience. You're talking to one person. Let's live inside their mind. Let's, let's decide what they're afraid of, what they desire, what they fear, what their goals are. Let's write a paragraph to, to this person. Let's decide who that is and then just have a conversation with the camera. Hey, this is Diane, and I know blah, 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 blah. Here's the story. I've been where you are. I've been there, but I found these seven things. The story, the compelling, the clothes. I'd love to be able to serve you. I said, I know I could do that, and I could tell the way I'm talking to you. I said to her, you're already smart. You already know that. There's something else. She goes, no, it's just I can't do it. Do you know, after spending 20 minutes with her, I put everything on pause because I could just tell. I could just tell. When we went upstream, you know why she didn't shoot videos? You know why her page wasn't working? Had nothing to do. If, if I just left it on the first one, it'd been like, uh, Dean and Tony's course kind of sucks. Didn't teach you how to do videos, right? That's literally what you would think. It sucks. Do you know why she didn't fear? Close. Her husband thought what she was doing was silly and he didn't believe in it. And she was embarrassed for him to go online and see a video that she shot. How do you compete with that? I can't, I could teach her every strategy. I see Michelle Thompson, you're shaking your head. There is nothing I could do downstream, give her the greatest tool, hook story clothes, film it for her, script it, put her in my studio. I can do everything. If she's in the back of her head going, oh my God, my husband's gonna see this and I'm gonna look stupid. Hi, uh, can't do it, right? 
We went upstream and we talked for 15 more minutes about how to get her husband on board and how to have, he believed in her and he was a good man. He just didn't get it. He was too busy. And we talked about a strategy. She went on to get him on board. They actually started doing the business together. Now, I share that because I want you to think about that in your life as you move forward when something's not working, you're going to think downstream usually. Ah, oh, the site's not working. Ah, oh, mastermind.com. I think it might be too technical for me. I'm over... 30, I'm over 50, I'm over 70. Uh, anything you can think of, you'll come up with shit. And usually it's not that. You go upstream and you find out, I failed before in the past, I don't wanna look stupid. I don't want my friends to think I'm silly. Who would really listen to me? I don't feel that I'm that secure of a person. Maybe my confidence isn't high. Has nothing to do with the site or the training. It's the upstream stuff. Anyway, that wasn't on the list. That should have been shift number four. So let's call that. Uh, bonus to shift. Um, shift number four, now that you just got that bonus one, is realize that money isn't evil. I don't know what it is, but I think in the last three months, maybe six months with all the craziness that's going on in the world, we've just gotten a lot of that. We've gotten, and, and uh, the truth is, I've gotten a lot more of it from women than men uh, in my DMs of people saying, I'm dying to be successful, Dean, but man, is it, is it okay that I want to make more money for my family? Is it okay that I want to, I want to be successful? I, I feel like I'm being, I, I, am I being greedy by wanting to be successful? I mean, what, what a sad evolution that has uh, come to where you would even feel that for a moment. And I see so many heads shaking up and down right now. And I, I just wanted, I thought, I, I thought it would be really great to address it. I, I'd love for you to think about this. Imagine if money was on one couch and you were on another couch and you were at therapy. Imagine this poor therapist. Because you're going, I don't want money. I don't want him or her. It's evil. I don't want it. And the therapist says, what do you want? Well, I want more time with my family. I want to be able to do that travel. I want to pay off these bills that have been burdening my husband. He's working so hard to pay off these bills. I, or my, my wife's in this terrible job. I want her out of the job. My parents, they don't really have a retirement. I'd like to give them a little money. I'd like to make sure my kids are okay. The therapist's like, wait a minute. You just said that money sitting over on the other couch is evil and bad and you don't want it, but everything that you just said that you'd like to do incorporates having more money. Okay, um, I don't know how to fix this, right? The therapist would be like, you're insane. You're saying you, it's like a relationship. I hate him, he's a jerk, he's no good, he's evil. So what would you like? I'd love to be in love with him and have more of it and have abundance and I'd like to give more of him to charity and I'd like to, like, okay, you're insane, right? We would say that if it was a person, but we end up having that same relationship with money. It's this push-pull, push-pull. Somebody said something to me once. And I'll never forget it. When someone says money can't buy you happiness, he said, that means you just haven't given enough away yet. And that changed my life. On, on Tony's 60th birthday, um, uh, he had a, his wife had a party for him and he didn't want a party just as a party. He made it a celebration and a fundraiser to raise money for Operation Underground Railroad. Um, to help free children from slavery. And I had no, I, I knew it was passionate to Tony, but I didn't know the depth of it until his birthday party. Went to his birthday party, the whole thing was dedicated to that. The, the creator and, and founder of Operation Underground Railroad to go rescue these children was there, told the story, played a video. My heart was filled. I had tears coming out of my eyes. And before I left, I donated a half a million dollars of my money. I think I was the third largest donor of the day 
Um, uh, Mark Benioff, who owns um, a Salesforce, which is like a $30 billion a year company, donated a little more than me. And he probably should have because he's worth way more than me. We're not in the same world. But it was really awesome. And my wife and I went up in the room that night. We stayed in a hotel in California. And we were, we were ecstatic. We were sad about what was happening with Operation Underground Railroad, but we were so grateful to God, the universe, that we were able to cut a check for a half a million dollars. And we know that like every 1,500 bucks rescues a child. And we're doing the math. And you know what I did a month later? We had a good month in business. I donated another $100,000. So in 2020, the roughest year ever, even for all of us, because shifts, you know, when you had a shift from in-person to, we lost money and shifts made, we had a, I gave away more cash than I had ever done in my entire life. We also fed 7 million people in, uh, through Feeding America. We we're probably heading towards 9 million people now. And we also built a school in Africa because you build a school in a town and it could be there for 100 years, giving these, men, these young men and these young women the ability to gain education, right? We did all of that in 2020. If someone says that doesn't buy you happiness, then you haven't given enough away yet. If you make more money, it doesn't take money away from someone else. You are not robbing it. I, I'm gonna tell you one more thing. Richard Branson said this to me. I was blessed to meet him because you know he saw my Instagram and he's like, man, that Dean guy's cool. I should call him. No, that's not how it happened at all. Um, uh, <laughs> a friend of mine and I raised a million dollars for his charity because um, we found out his charity went to great causes and he personally paid all the bills on the charity. So if you gave him a million bucks, a million bucks went to the people in need. So we raised the money. His way of thank you was to give us a week on his private island, Necker Island. So cool. This is a decade or more ago, probably a decade ago. Uh, and us and some entrepreneurs who helped raise the money, we went there. Just by chance, I'm an early riser. He was an early riser. We met one morning. He's like, hey, you want to go for a sale? I'm like, Absolutely. So I went for a sale with Richard Branson, billionaire, and I, my eyes were this big and I couldn't wait to ask him questions. And one of the things I asked him about was giving back and making money. And he told me how he felt. And he said, if you were put on this earth with the ability to gain capabilities and make money, then I feel like you should go all in on utilizing that. Because he told me a story and this is a decade ago, so I'm maybe paraphrasing. He's like, listen, a homeless shelter, Thank God for amazing people that go there and donate their time. And if you can find the time, do it. Everybody contributes in their own way. He said, but if you also have the ability to earn in a way by learning, learning capabilities and going faster, and you could go to that same homeless shelter. Maybe you help serve meals that day, but on the way in, you hand the owner or the person who runs it a check for 100 grand. He's like, they need that too. He said, if you have the ability to make it, just do something great with it. Because that's how I think that and more abundance comes. And my mind has completely shifted about money. Money is the byproduct of bringing value to other people. If you're not bringing value to other people, then stop, shift, do something different. But if you bring value to others, especially if you're in the knowledge industry, you get to help people go faster and quicker. Then you get to do things like retire your parents, make sure your family's okay. Cut checks to solve problems for family members. Donate to your church. Help Underground Railroad. Feed people who need it. I don't know what it is, but you do. Money's not evil, especially when it's earned ethically. Shift the way you feel about that. Because if you have one bit of disdain towards money, it's going to be like that therapist sitting in the middle going, you're never going to be together, guys. 
You're never gonna, you're never gonna fix this relationship because you hate him and love him. Every time it gets close, you push it away. Ever been in a relationship like that in high school when you didn't know what the hell was going on? Every time it's close, you push it away, not sure if you want it, you don't. Did it ever work out? How's it gonna work out with money if you have that same yo-yo relationship? Attract money, do what it takes to make it, and then do things amazing with it and help others. We got that? All right. Number five. This is gonna be a long one, really difficult. No, not really, I'm kidding. Stop overthinking. Number five, stop overthinking. Tony always says, and I'm referencing him a lot today, but Tony always says complexity is the enemy of execution. Complexity is the enemy of execution. And you gotta remember something. We all learn differently. Right? I love using the analogy of my sister and I because we are, we're, we're blood. She's my full sister, but we couldn't be any more different. And if you think about when you move forward in life, some of you are the tortoise and some of you are the hare. Some of you are the turtle and the rabbit, right? I'm the rabbit, my sister's the turtle. My sister moves forward very methodically. My sister wants to dot every I cross every T. She wants to see what could go wrong, what could go right. She wants to research it. She wants to understand other people that have been there. Why have other people succeeded? Why have other people failed? Oh my God, I gotta read every piece of this. If there's a document, I better read the entire document, right? I have to be methodical. And my sister, it doesn't make her bad, but that's me. She thinks I'm the rabbit. I'm like, this seems like a good idea, let's do it. Okay, I'm in, I'm in. And I fail miserably fast but I will fail three times and get up and keep going and make it work. I can't slow down my pace. To me, how my sister learns and how she does business, I literally would rather have my wisdom teeth pulled out. Literally, I had them all pulled out, it sucked. Do you ever have all four wisdom teeth pulled out at once and you got those big holes in your face? It sucks. I see uh, Jenny and you too, I see you guys, it sucks. I would go through that again rather than overanalyzing everything to death. For me, by the time my sister overanalyzes stuff, I've already figured it out, failed, doesn't work, I'm on to the next thing. My sister would probably say she'd rather have her wisdom teeth pulled out than be like her psychotic, crazy brother who goes so fast, who fails miserably, and is okay with that. Like, just saying, both of us are successful. I'm a little more successful, but she's very successful. Right? I'm just saying as a joke. I really wish she was here to see that. Because if you knew my sister, I'd be afraid the next time I saw her, she'd beat me up. Um, in a good way. Uh, she, she's always going to be my big sister. She's four years older than me. And kidding aside, she's insanely successful because she has two children. And they're the most amazing children in the world. One of them is Tanner, who works for me, is, helps me run my entire company. Uh, her other son, Hunter, is incredible. She's been married to her husband, Rob, for 30 years and they are madly in love. They have a successful business. They take care of my mom. She's one of the most successful women I know. I like busting her chops, but she's incredible on every level. Has her own company, doing incredible. But we're completely different. She's the tortoise, I'm the hare. We're both successful. You just gotta figure out which one you are and do whatever it takes to fill that void to continue moving forward. Because if you're an overthinker, you might go, when I figure out exactly how to do that headline on mastermind.com, 
I will launch then. You may never figure out exactly how to do it until you have five iterations up there that don't work until you get to the one that does work. My sister might wait on something like that and go, no, 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 let me retweak it. Let me change the color. Let me add one extra module. Maybe it's four modules. No, maybe I should go live. No, live's kind of scary. Mm. Let me read about live. Let me go look at people on YouTube that do live. Let me go back and read the course. No, let me go design my logo again. Like, you got to watch going over analyzing and overworking when sometimes you just got to get out in the field and play and you might fumble the ball and you might look silly and you might fail. But guess what? You learn on the fly. You jump out of plane, the plane and you grow wings on the way down. So my only point is if you're the tortoise or the hare, that's okay. Both of them, you should find a way as the tortoise, if you're going fast, find a way to know enough where you fail less. As the hare, I should say. As the tortoise, as the turtle. Don't overanalyze to where it never happens because sometimes you'll overanalyze for a couple of years until finally you just don't do it and, and the opportunity passes you by. Those of you that overanalyze, you know exactly what I'm saying. Who's overanalyzed an opportunity so much that you missed it, if you're really honest? Right? Um, stop overthinking especially those that have, been, have gotten the guidance from a course or something Tony and I created or something that you've got from someplace else. If you're learning from someone who's already been there, remember you're starting off on third base, right? You're not, start, you're not going from ground zero, right? So um, stop overthinking. That is number five. Number six, don't settle for good enough. Don't settle for good enough is really another one of those tools for me I think we should all use. You've heard me say it before. I'm not going to say anything brand new right now with this one. But this is one I think about all the time. Is I know for a fact that if I was at the end of my life and I was 100 years old and sitting in the hospital and people that knew me were around my hospital bed and they didn't know I could hear them and they were having a conversation and they were saying, ah, you know, Dean lived a good life. He was a good dude. He had a good relationship. He was a good parent. He had a good life. I would freak out. Anybody else freak out if someone described everything about you as good or okay? Imagine if I was, I was an okay dude. He had okay kids. I had an okay relationship with them. I would freak out. I want people to be standing around my bed and said, this crazy bastard, oh my God. That guy, everything he thought about doing, he was relentless. He just went after it. He never stopped. He was obsessive as a dad. Oh, my God. He romanced his wife. My wife right now literally has two full boxes of love letters that I've sent her or written for her. Most of them I do on checks. Whenever we go to a restaurant, I take it and I write her a letter and then I hand it to her later. She saved, I didn't even realize she saved every single one of them. She's making books of them right now, right? I want people like this crazy bastard wrote his wife 2,200 love letters. He took his kids to practice. He picked them up from school every day, but at the same time started 14 companies, did the biggest launches in history, wrote books even though he was kind of dumb, had dyslexia. This crazy bastard just didn't take, no. He had an amazing life. He had an outstanding life. If I don't hear that, I hear a bunch of people saying, oh, you know, Brittany had a good life. You know, she was, she was good when she did her business. Tanya, you know, I think Tanya, I think she was happy. Yeah, don't you think? I think. Like, I just don't want that. 
right? So when I think of a tool in my toolbox, that's the little nudge that pushes me to play full out, to take uncomfortable action, to be courageous even though I'm scared, to move forward even though I don't have all the answers. Because I don't want the end of my life to look like that. You know, I've, I've shared this a lot, I'm gonna share it again. I don't think, we all have our beliefs. I believe in God, I, I hope I get the chance to meet him someday, not too soon, not for a long time. But when I do, and I don't think God is this cruel, but could you imagine if you met God and he says, all right, so tell me about it. We got five minutes. Tell me about your life. You know, I was going to go, I, I had a good life, God. Thank you so much. I had a good life. Um, well, what about your relationship? That was good. And you, you use the word good. I, I don't want to overemphasize that. But then you got to maybe, let's say your business. Say, you know, I was going to do my own thing when I was 37, 42, 55, 63. Yeah, I was going to. But, you know, I don't think my husband totally believed in me. And it was kind of that weird time. We had that funky president. And then this happened. And, you know, so, I, you know, and then I was juggling a couple of kids, right? I, I mean, I know you, and I'm not diminishing that. Believe me, I know what it's like to handle kids. But, you know, I had that and I was going to wait for the kids to get older. But then I was like, so, you know, I never really did that. And I was kind of, and I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to look stupid in front of my friends. Right. Could you imagine God just being like, oh, another one. Okay. Good to have you here. Um, I don't think God would do this, but imagine this. And I heard this once. I didn't make this up. Could you imagine if God pulled out his iPhone? Because of course God would absolutely have an iPhone, probably not an Android, right? It would be an iPhone for sure. If God pulled out his iPhone and showed you a video of who you could have been. Think about that one. What if God showed you a video of who you could have been? Again, I don't think he'd be that cruel, but if he did, could you imagine being like, Oh my God, please, can I go back, please? I don't give a shit what my friends thought. I don't care, they were stupid gossipers anyway. Why did I care that they thought I'd be silly? I don't care what my parents thought. I love my parents, but they would have been more proud of me going after it. Please let me go back. I could see you begging to go back, but here's the thing. We don't have to go back. We are right here, right now. Right here, right now. You get to decide what that end is gonna be to you right here, right now. And what's that gonna be? This is the crazy stuff I do to myself. Yes, because we have to work a little harder, a little stronger. And is it worth it? Yes, it's absolutely worth it. A thousand times over. I wouldn't choose any other path. And I probably have failed as much, if not more, than everybody in here. Okay, that was number six. Don't settle for good enough. No one wants to be good. And then number seven. And you guys are already doing this. Become or stay a part of something bigger than yourself. Whether that's a relationship with God, whether you're more spiritual, you're aligned internally, being in a group like the Inner Circle, being in a group like KBB, being in a Facebook group, we all need to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We all need to be locking arms with like-minded people wherever we can, because the fact of the matter is, you're probably the crazy ones in your life. Yes, we're the crazy dreamers. Brand us nuts because we dream for full potential. We dream for a higher level. But let me ask you something, and I've said this a million times. There's a lot of groups with a bunch of skeptics, a bunch of critics. They don't make statues of critics. Those people are forgotten. They die at the end of your life and God's like, oh my God, you just didn't go after it. You were just ornery and grumpy and made fun of everybody. I'm glad you're here, but oh my God, 
right? There, there's so many of those groups. We need to stay a part of something bigger than ourselves with like-minded people who support us and don't let us get down on ourselves. And we're having a bad day. We can go to a group. We can go to a people. We can go to resources. We can go to knowledge that go, no, no, no. I'm meant for more. I'll be more. This is the woman God designed me to be and no one's going to stop me. And if you need a little support, a group like this brings you up. That's why we do have Facebook groups. That's why we push you to stay socially connected. Because there's a lot of people out there trying to rob that from us and they don't even know they are. They think they're protecting us. Protecting us from what? From living an outstanding life? As always, our podcast is free. We don't even sell advertising space. So how you could pay us back is by helping other people get this information in their hands. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, go ahead and take a second and rate and review the show and tell a friend, heck, take a snapshot and put it on your Instagram. It's the best way for you to help other action takers get the knowledge they need to live into their full potential. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe now to get access to new episodes three times a week. And as always, you can go to the description for this podcast and check out the special links I shared with you to take your success, freedom, and abundance to a whole nother level.